0: This is the Retirement Solution Podcast with financial advisor, John Hicks, founder of J. Hagan Capital. And I'm Heather Branch here with John to talk about ways to help you prepare for your financial future. RetirementSolutionRadio.com is where you can go to begin your conversation with John and his team at J. Hagan Capital. We also have links posted in the show notes or again, that website retirement solution radio.com and thinking about the questions that so many of us savers and investors have probably the biggest question mark for so many people well maybe not the biggest one but the one that comes up most consistently as we try to Mm -hmm. figure it all out is what in the heck are we supposed to do with our stock investments and how do we do better with the market space and it's interesting. I think it's even more pressure. The heat is on for somebody that you work with, John, because you work with folks that are getting ready to or have just entered into or are in retirement. Sure. And the risk is so much higher on a market loss. This article in the Wall Street Journal is talking about how many investors age 55 and up are putting most of their nest egg into the stock market, which immediately makes my stomach clench yeah,
1: up. Sure.
0: Of course, and I don't have to explain to you how this could backfire if there was a major tumble, especially for older retirees. The article said that the reason for stock heavy portfolios is this feeling that people need to catch up, sure. compounded with that they don't have any other options. Yeah. How do you address that?
1: I mean, I I see this all the time. You You know, if we have our money in 401ks or IRAs, Mm -hmm. and let's say that we have a really good amount of savings, you know, 500,000 bucks, a million bucks, 3 million bucks, the things that have been so great to us, quote unquote, over the past decade have been equities, which you know, in in, in last year, 2022 was kind of an uncomfortable year. I mean, the market took a a really big punch in the face. And so did interest rates, interest rates moved up, which hurt bonds. And so people kind of lost a lot last year. But the one thing that we have to really always just be cautious of is putting too much of our future dollars that we need to produce income, putting those in harm's way. And I know it's been a long time since 2008, but Heather in 2008, the market went down nearly 40%. And to think about that, if you were getting ready to retire, let's assume that you were working in your company and then the end of 2007, mm-hmm. you just finally made the conscious decision. Hey, I think we can make it. If we take our social security and super small pension, but if we take that money and then we pull 4% off of our savings, if I retire next year based on our 401k balance, I should be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be totally fine. And then what happens in 2008? Everything well, the market goes careens, goes boom. <laughs> right? Yeah. The market careens nearly 40% and some really good, I'm going to call them good, high quality investments were down 50 to 60% during that time period. Yeah. I mean, it's some of the major, major funds like the Fidelity Growth Fund, which has historically been pretty attractive, it was down almost 60%. And when you think about that, oh my gosh, now all of a sudden you thought you had a million dollars. You were going to be able to get 40 grand a year off that amount of money. And now all of a sudden you don't have a million dollars. You've got $600,000. Now how on earth are you going to pull that 40 grand a year? Cause that's a much higher distribution rate. But, guys, I feel like I almost have to kind of remind us, Mm -hmm. if we had lost money in 2008, there is a good chance that we did not get back to even on our portfolio Mm -hmm. until 2013. That is unbelievable. That is such a long time. So think about it. 2009, 10, 11, 12 Thirteen. That is five years that every single month as you got those statements, even though they were were slightly coming up, it took you five years to get back to your original amount of money you had at the end of 2007. So as I see these articles, especially one from the Wall Street Journal, because that's not fake news to me. That is logical news. I understand it. I know where they're coming from. I know who they're interviewing. That is not fake news. That makes me very uncomfortable because last year, 2022, we kind of needed to have a little bit of a downturn. I don't think that anyone loves the fact it was last year, but I also think that looking at the market structure right now, I kind of feel like we need another one or, or I, I wish that that downturn of 2022 had lasted a little bit longer. to figure out what's going in the economy. If we're looking out there now, Heather, if we look out their window Mm -hmm. and we look at the number of jobs that are changing, if we look at the number of layoffs that are happening, if we look at the prices of inflation at the grocery like Kroger Mm. or Walmart or Sam's Club or Costco, any of them, things are really expensive. It is going to be harder and harder and harder for the average American to be able to make those payments if we're not going to have higher income. But we're starting to see profitability freezes. We're starting to see raise uh, halts, things like that mm-hmm. already. So my point to that is is that we really do not want to have that fear of missing out by having too much money in equities. But you don't have to take my word for it. When we look at the biggest and the best investors on the planet when it comes to trying to figure out how we can live in retirement, we actually, Heather, don't even look at retirees at all. Okay. We actually look at a completely different group of people that most people wouldn't think about. Okay. We look at university endowments. And I remember this because this is what I studied when I went to Cornell. And can, to stu- we,
0: can we take a side note here and explain? Because, I mean, I, unless I had these conversations with you every week on the radio, I wouldn't know what a university endowment is. So you can you sure. clarify what that is a little bit?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing you have to understand is that when it comes to us to be retired, the big thing is is it doesn't matter what the stock market does any given day. We still need to produce an income so that we can spend our money so we can live in retirement right Right. Right. well university endowments work the same way now whether they make money or lose money in their endowment that upcoming year they still have to pay professors out of those funds they still got to give scholarships out of those funds like for instance the university of louisville this is how they pay for a lot of their professors and their pensions and all of these opportunities even striping the football field a lot of this comes through the form of how the endowment is managed and spent okay so when you think about it one of the institutions that we really want to look at maybe not warren buffett or bill ackman or Ray Dalio is great investors, mm-hmm. maybe what we should be looking at is the people that have to spend their money just like us because these endowments, they gotta pay those professors every year no matter what the market does, right? Got it. They know they have a spending policy they have to spend money, and that's what we want to do in retirement. Okay. But if we look at how these top five university endowments, and who are these guys? Mm-hmm. Well often they're the biggest or they're the oldest, right? So if you look at it, of the top five, there's Yale, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton and the University of Texas. The University of Texas, because of their sheer size, has gotten huge. I love
0: that. Here come the Cowboys, bringing <laughs> up the go. rear. Woo!
1: I wonder if Matthew McConaughey is out there. <laughs> hook 'em horns, hook 'em horns. Oh, no, but great. when you look at the, these guys, you know their main thing is hey. It doesn't matter what the markets do. We know we got to pay these professors this year. We know that we're on the hook to pay for these scholarships. We know that we got to spend marketing money so other people keep coming to our university. They have to spend money just like we do in our retirement. We have to spend money no matter what markets do. Well, Heather, when you look at how these five institutions have done, mm-hmm. they have beaten the market on five-year 10-year, 15- and 20-year records, rolling standards, which means they actually beat the long-term returns of the U.S. stock market. Uh Now, what was it, the article we just you were just talking about saying, that Wall Street Journal said that people have like 70% of their money in stocks because they feel like they need to catch up? But we're not paying attention to maybe the best investors out there. And what all of these institutions have in common, Heather, is that they do not have a very high percentage of their money In US stocks, as a matter of fact, when you look at it, between all five of these major institutions, they have between 60 to 83% of their money in either private investments or non market based investments, which means they're hedging their downside risk. The amazing thing for us to consider is, hey, has it been valuable for them to do that? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in 2022, when the US stock market was down over 20%, the worst performer of these five endowments was Mm -hmm. only down 6.2%. So they held on to a tremendous amount of money last year. But more than that, they average almost 40% more. Than the stock market so the stock market historically averages around 8.5 percent for instance yale princeton harvard and stanford have all averaged over 12 percent over this period of time guys that's a tremendous amount of upside without as much downside by using alternative investments so if we can learn this from major institutions the biggest endowments out there which collectively control trillions of dollars Why don't we employ that in our own situation? Heather, in our office, we have done this for years by using things like insured indexing, where we can absolutely ensure that we have no downside risk to our clients' money. But at the same time, if the stock market goes up, we can get a lot of the upside. As a matter of fact, we can either get dollar for dollar all the way up to 13, 14, even 16 or 18% on the upside with no downside risk, or we could potentially get as much as 80 to 85% of whatever the market does without a cap. So a lot of the reason that people don't like alternatives is because they think they can't get all of the upside. Think about it. Heather, if you got dollar for dollar all the way up to the first 13, 14, or 15% of the U.S. stock market, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that potentially be okay? Yeah. Absolutely. And on the flip side, what if you didn't want a cap? What if you wanted to never have a ceiling of how much you can earn? What if you got 80% of whatever the market did? So if the market went 50% and you got 80% of that, Guys, you'd be at 40% in any one given year. These type of strategies exist and they've been around for a long time. The difference is, is that interest rates have finally made them relevant again. Got it. Where we can invest just like the biggest, the most stodgy, the most iconic institutions out there, not because they do so well, even though they do, because they have the same investment policy that we should have as retirees, making certain our money is safer and providing us an income stream without just putting it under the mattress. So when we think about these things, whenever I see these articles that say 70% of people's portfolios are in equities and they're over 55 or 60, Mm. it makes me a little nervous. It just simply means they may not know the alternatives available. That is one thing we always need to consider. Every time that interest rates move, every time that markets careen, every time there's new inventions like cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or whatever, it doesn't mean we invest in it. We want to then explore what does that mean for us? Are there alternatives where we can get a safer return that frankly, gets close to equaling or beating the market. If we can do that, we're going to have a much more comfortable retirement. If these are things that you haven't had access to, or you don't know how to get a hold of, or your guy just isn't talking to you about the new evolution of investments, give my team a call today. Take a look at what the interest rate environment has done to get safer alternatives where we can truly get 10, 15, even 18% to the upside without downside risk.
0: Thanks for listening to the Retirement Solution Podcast with John Hicks. Begin the conversation about your savings plan with John and the team at J. Hagan Capital by visiting retirementsolutionradio.com. Be sure to listen to John's
1: radio show, The Retirement Solution, Saturdays at 8 a.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 840 WHAS.
0: J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if J. Hagen Capital Inc. is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J Capital Inc. is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. It does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims payability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Jonathan Hicks. Insurance license number 548962.